Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I was right. I painfully was right about your Boston Red Sox, my Boston Red Sox, our Boston Red Sox. But I bring to the table statistics outside of just wins and losses and just looking at scorecards and all that good stuff. I actually have statistics in maybe, just maybe, in a certain area or areas I was wrong. We're going to dive into the Red Sox through three weeks of the regular season. But how is it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. And welcome to episode number 188 of this glorious podcast. I am so happy that you have joined me today because we are going to be diving into the Boston Red Sox. And we're going to be talking about where they currently rank in Major League Baseball to see if they're really that bad as their wonderful 5-8 and eight record shows or it's just too early into the season to actually truly gauge this team's performance, where their record shows that they are, and where they rank in Major League Baseball as a whole. Now, it is still early, but we are 13 games into the regular season, and I'm just going to start with this. They're already... Eight games back, first place from the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, I know they're on a precedented, uh, historic start to the regular season, 13-0. One more win will clinch. No, I'm just kidding. It's not going to clinch a spot in the playoffs. I almost had you, though. But it will give them the best start to a regular season for a baseball team in the modern era, and that would be 14-0 if they're able to win. I'm sure they're playing today. But they just swept the Red Sox. Our wonderful Boston Red Sox. And um, this team, 5-8, and eight, is not looking good. Everyone else in the division, the Rays, the Blue Jays, Yankees, and Orioles, they're all above 500. Again, Rays 13-0, Blue Jays and Yankees 8-5. And, and the Orioles are 7-6. and six. Now, I know that the Blue Jays and Yankees sit at five games back and the Orioles at six games back while you're at eight games back. And that's only because the Rays haven't lost a damn game. If the Rays were 10-3, and three, well, the Blue Jays and Yankees are only two games back. So, like, there is a little bit of a caveat there, you know, just because of the historic start to the season that the Tampa Bay Rays are on. And I've sat here and said this time and time again, whether it was here on the podcast or at the shop, the Rays are going to win 90 games. I mean, listen, 13-0 doesn't guarantee you you're going to win 90 games, but the track record looks really good. It looks like that they're on that kind of a pace. Oh, technically they're on pace for 162 wins, but you know what I mean, all jokes aside. 
you know what I mean. So, Murph, what are you talking about these statistics? What are you talking about? So I have crunched the numbers, again, through three weeks of the regular season, give or take. I mean, pretty much every team in baseball has played either 12, 13, or 14 games thus far. Uh, I guess the Cubs have, Cubs are the only team with 11. A couple with 12, the majority with 13, couple teams with 14. Oh, is it just the Padres with 14? Padres are the only team with 14. Interesting. So the average is 13 games, right? So through thir- the majority, let's just call it 13 games. Well, let's see. For the Red Sox specifically, uh, they are in that 13 club. So let's start with the hitting because the hitting is one area that I may have been marginally underestimating. Marginally underestimating. Now, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that they were good, or that they are good, or that they're going to be good. At the loss of Adam Duvall is absolutely massive to your lineup because he's contributing to the majority of your hitting statistics. And I've said this, he's not a center fielder. And where did he get injured playing in center field? He is a corner outfielder, a corner infielder. He is not a center fielder. So Red Sox did that to themselves, trying to make him a center fielder. Put Verdugo in center field, who has experience in center field. Shit, put um, Jaron Duran in center field for all I care. Or maybe Kike Hernandez, who should be in center field. I mean, all those throwing errors. I told you this, whether, again, here at the shop or here on the podcast. He is not a shortstop. Before, Before I get into the statistics, I have to just rant about this. Was he have like four or five errors? They're all throwing, overthrowing second base, overthrowing first base. It's just when I think of a shortstop, I'm thinking of Jeter, A-Rod from his Mariners and Ranger days, Nomar, Xander Bogarts, I mean, Trey Turner. Just you plug the shortstop in for 150 games out of the season and you forget about it. Your everyday shortstop should not be one of, if not the most utility the utilize no utility players in the game. Like a spot start here at shortstop, or for just a three game series while you wait for someone to come back from injury. Sure, you know seventh inning, you, know, you pitch hit, you pinch ran, you're moving some pieces around. Sure, Red Sox used to put Mookie at second base. Dodgers put Mookie at second base every once in a while. Team USA put Mookie at second base. I mean, when the when Brock Holt was here, he played third, second, first, short, left, center, right. I mean, he played all across the diamond. But he was never really cemented in at a certain position. And that's just what your utility player is supposed to be, is someone who can play anywhere at any given time. Not your everyday shortstop. So, unless something changes... I was right. Well, thus far, I was right about the whole Kike experiment. Now, listen, I'm not going to say, oh, if you had Alexander Bogars, this wouldn't be a problem. That is true, yes, and he's having a fantastic start to his 2023 season. But all I'm saying is you should not have went into the season with the loss of Alexander Bogart saying to yourself, like, oh, Kike as our everyday shortstop would have been a great idea. It's going to be a great idea. Let's do it. Yeah. You're just asking for a disaster. I hate to say it. Listen, he's a good player, a very good defender. He's a well-liked guy here in, in the city of Boston and in the New England area. 
But again, when you think of Boston Red Sox shortstop, I'm not thinking of my utility player. I'm not. Someone who's so efficient and effective and ranked very high in defensive efficiency in center field last year, just getting bounced to shortstop. Again, if you needed it in a pinch for a couple of games, fine. Get it. Cool. Did that with Brock Holt. He did it with Mookie. So it's like it's a thing. But not someone who can play anywhere on the diamond, comfortable at all spots. Clearly he's not comfortable at shorts. Anyways, anyways, I digress. So, was I wrong or was I underappreciating the Red Sox hitting? Now again, Adam Duvall was a huge factor into these statistics, and he's been out for a few games now. So where are these statistical measures going to go in his absence? Well, as it currently stands, the Red Sox in baseball out of 30 MLB teams rank 4th in runs, 17th in hits, tied for 7th in home runs, 4th in RBIs, 16 in walks, or 16th in walks, 9th in strikeouts, which probably the most surprising one for me, if I'm being honest, 23rd in average, and on base plus slugging, they are 16th. So, across the board, we have some top 5, top 10, obviously mid-tier, bottom 10, but overall, from what I see here, this doesn't seem like an under 500, 5 and 8 team. It really doesn't. I know the average 23rd isn't sexy. I'll definitely take, in a day and age where home runs are so, so prominent, I'll take ninth in strikeouts. I would like walks to be higher, but 16th, middle of the pack. Okay, sure. Fourth in runs. Tied for seventh in home runs. Again, the majority of that's from Duvall. But Devers, you know, has been cranking a couple. And then hits a 17th. And and the hits being at 17th and the average of 23 kind of makes sense. You know, how those two correlate with each other. So what is my main takeaway from seeing these Red Sox hitting statistics? And I'll get into the pitching one. I will get into the pitching statistics after. But I want to see where this team goes without Adam Duvall for a stretch period of time. Because he's going to miss some time. He should never have been in center field. However, he was. He played well. He got injured. But I need to see this team. Too many times has this team lost when they were getting blown out because their pitching sucks. It's 8-2. It's 7-1. It's 9-3. And the Red Sox do mount a comeback, but they fall short. Again, the Red Sox can't win a game unless they score four runs. They've only lost once. I'm sorry, twice, excuse me, when scoring four runs or more. They've only lost twice. Close games that they've lost, 4-1 to to the Pirates twice. 1-0 1 to nothing to the Rays on Monday. 9 to 7 to the Rays on Wednesday. I mean, if you just either got I mean that 1 to nothing loss to the Rays, I mean, your pitching could not have been better. 
Your pitching could not have been better. One run, you'll take that any day of the week. But that is the lone anomaly here. Every other game, the Red Sox are giving giving up nine runs twice to the Rays, seven runs. They gave up one run to the Tigers, five and three to the Tigers. But are we really going to get excited about that? People are downplaying, oh, who have the Rays really faced during their 13-0 and start? It's like, well, they've swept the Red Sox. And yes, they swept the Tigers. But if we're not going to give the Rays credit for sweeping the Tigers, then we can't sit here and give the Red Sox credit for sweeping the Tigers. I mean, we can't have the best of both worlds. We can't sit here and say that the Red Sox started the season as, as good as we thought but entering the Tampa Bay series and then get swept and the Rays didn't face anybody good. Either the Red Sox are good or the Rays are good. You, it's just, it's not the best of both worlds. Either the Tigers suck and we're going to give the Red Sox credit for sweeping them or the Tigers suck and like, you have to give credit where credit's due. If the Rays swept the Tigers and you're going to give the Red Sox credit for sweeping the Tigers, you have to do the same for the Rays. Too many people are inconsistent on this matter. Like, uh, let me see, who else? Besides the Red Sox and the Tigers, who else have they played? Oh, the Athletics. So, yeah, they had a fairly... Oh, and the Nationals, too. They had a fairly light schedule to start. But again, if we're going to give the Red Sox credit for sweeping the Tigers, give the Rays credit. If we're going to give the Red Sox credit for sweeping the Tigers, then you have to give the Rays credit for sweeping the Red Sox. That's just called consistency. And I understand that the Athletics right now are... I don't even know what the hell they are. What are they? They are 3-10, and and the Nationals are 4-9. and So, again, not the best of teams that they've played against. But there's nothing you can do about who you play on your schedule. There's absolutely nothing you can do about who you play on your schedule. So it's really hard to take that away. I mean, are we going to sit here and call the Pirates a, a good team in baseball for sweeping the Red Sox? I mean, they're 8-5. and five. I sure would like to be them right now compared to the Red Sox. That's for damn sure. And they just lost O'Neill Cruz. So from a hitting perspective, this was the thing last year. It seems to be the trend this year. And I even mentioned it last week. This team cannot win a game unless they score four or more runs. They just can't. They simply can't win. They have yet to win a one to nothing, a two to one, a three to two kind of a game. They need their offense to hit them four runs, at least to give them a shot. That is unsustainable. I'm sorry, that is, especially with du- Duval out for an extended period of time. That is going to be unsustainable. I hate saying it. I really do hate saying it. 23rd in average, 17th in hits, 16th in walk, I'll take. On base plus slugging is 16th. Like these are metrics that are, well, besides the average, decent. Middle of the pack. Could use improvement, but could be worse. But these statistics aren't going to maintain a four-run offensive outburst each and every single night. Now, fourth and runs, fourth and RBIs, and ninth and strikeouts might be tied for seventh and home runs. Maybe those will, 
But are we really going to count on just hitting four home runs? No. Base hit up the middle. Get, you know, get the runner over from first to third. Sack fly drives him in. Ball in the gap. Runner scores from first. Like, you know, just things like that. Just simple baseball fundamentals go a long way. And the Red Sox, unfortunately, are lacking that in their series against Tampa Bay shows. Now, if the Red Sox were able to split this series 2-2, two and two, now I'd be sitting here feeling a lot better about this Red Sox team because then the Red Sox would be 6-7-6. and I'm sorry, seven and six. They just played the best team in baseball. They broke up their win streak to start the season. All is good. Then you go against this Angels team right now who is first in the American League West, but, uh, you know, it's, again, still early. Astros and Mariners haven't played well to start the season, so there's still a few things that need to wrinkle out over the course of the next couple of weeks and month or so. Do I like where I see the hitting currently? I sure don't hate it, and it's definitely been fairly promising. And I think that's a really good outlook for someone like me who has been, yes, very negative about this Red Sox team, someone who's been very pessimistic, but I don't do it because I hate this team. I do it because I'm a realist. I am a, how do I describe this? Like I look at reality. I try to keep things non-bias. And I tell you how it is. If I think the socks suck, I'm going to tell you the socks suck. I've done it for two and a half years now on this podcast. If I think the Celtics suck, I'm going to let you know. And I've done it for two and a half years. It's Again, if I think the Patriots suck, I'm going to let you know. I've done it for two. You get the point. You get the point. But when the team is playing well, like that little month or so that they had last year, it was like May into June. They were one of the hot teams in baseball. Trevor Story was hitting the ball. The Red Sox looked like a good team. And then they just fell off. I mean... Bruins have been hot all year. We talked about the Bruins here and there throughout the season. The playoffs are going to be starting on Monday. So we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about that. Celtics playoffs start uh, tomorrow, actually, against the Atlanta Hawks. That's going to take up a lot of our time. So I want to be taught when those are done, whatever the outcomes are, hopefully they're hoisting trophies in June. But whenever that is done, those two playoff runs are done. I want to be sitting here talking about meaningful baseball in the middle of June, the end of June. I don't want the Red Sox to be 10 games under 500, 10 games behind first place. I want this team to be in a position. Again, they don't have to be first. I don't expect it. I don't expect them to make the playoffs. I don't expect them to be 500. But I want at least it to be entertaining. And right now, from an offensive standpoint, I mean, it's been mediocrely entertaining. The team runs dry, and then they have like one or two big innings. Again, that's not sustainable. All right. I've ranted enough about the hitting. Let me get into the pitching because I think the pitching is something that's going to really, really hit home my point. I need some water first. And I think the hitting, as I readjust, I think the hitting is really going to open your eyes to why I've sat here countless times and said that this team is not going to be in a position to win 50% of their games, to make the playoffs, to not finish last in their division. ERA 
in baseball is 26th. Saves, they're tied for 20th. With two, by the way, just, just to let you know. Save opportunities, they're 29th. So before I go any further, what was the point of bringing in Kenley Jansen for the two-year contract and the money that you gave him, $16 million, I think? I think it was two for 32. I'll have to double-check that. What was the point of spending all that money on him if you can't use the damn guy? You're 29th in save opportunities, which, with, <laughs> with two, he's been out there for two save opportunities. Only the Marlins, oop, I just hit my pop filter, my windscreen. Only the Marlins have less at one. Every other team has three, four, five, six, seven. The Jays, the Guardians, and Reds all have eight. So it's like, again, it is still early. You're 13 games through. You're not going to have 13 save opportunities. But, like, is five hard to ask for? Is six hard to ask for? Is four even hard to ask for? Apparently so. And, again, from those save opportunities... They have two saves to show for it. And they haven't been the easiest of saves. So, hits. They rank 25th. Runs allowed. They rank tied for 25th. Earned runs. So, runs that are scored solely on the pitcher's fault and not based off of any fielding errors. 25th. Home runs allowed. 29th. Ooh, let's see. That's yeah. I want to look at that one. Cause I remember. I remember looking at it. It was pretty ugly. Twenty-two. Only the Oakland Athletics have surrendered more at twenty-five. Everyone else is twenty-one and under. Who has given up the least? Tampa Bay Rays have only given up six home runs. Um, other than them, Mariners and Cubs at nine. Bunch of teams at ten, eleven, twelve, and throughout the teens. But you, the Red Sox, you're twenty-ninth, giving up twenty-two home runs. I know it's not exact. You played 13 games. Double would be 26. But just about a home run a game you're giving up. Just about. Again, decimal points off here. Walks. Walks allowed. Tied for 14th. Strikeouts. Tied for 9th. I'll take that. I'll absolutely take that. Whip. That is walk plus hits per inning pitched. You want to be around one. One is the is like the stand like is like the three hundred in baseball per se. Even though that really doesn't exist anymore, it's like if you're a two sixty hitter, it's like you're 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 a good hitter these days apparently. Anyways, um, let me hold on. I need to filter this correctly. They were what twenty third with a whip of one point four four. Pretty good. Minnesota Twins have the best whip in baseball at point nine one above the Tampa Bay Rays. Again, best team in baseball, historic start. They're .94. So, again, that one is, like, where you want to be. You want to average one walk or hit per inning pitched. So, if your starter goes six innings, your starter's giving up six hits or walks combined. I mean, that just makes sense. And then average given up. So, basically, what your starting rotate or what players average are against your pitchers. That is 21st. 
and hitters against your pitchers are hitting 266. So, the pitching statistics are by and far worse than your hitting statistics. Your best pitching one is tied for ninth, and that's strikeouts, which again, I'll take. Walks tied for 14th, middle of the pack, could be worse. I'd like to see it in the top 10. Everything else, and I mean literally everything else, is in the bottom 10 of the league. With 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 of them in the bottom 5. That's not good. That's not good. That is absolutely not good. I'm sorry, but it's not going to cut it. Uh, let me see. I mean, listen, I I know Chris Sale hasn't had the best of starts. Hold on, why, why is it on just Corey Kluber? I want to look at select player pool. All players? Uh, let's see. Quali qualified players? I mean, no one's technically qualified. Default. Why is it doing this? All right, whatever. I mean, Richard Blear with a 12.46 ERA. Chris Sale, 11.25 ERA. Whitlock, 9.0. Corey Kluber, 6.92. Cutter Crawford, 6.75. Caleb Ort, 6.43. Ryan Brazier, 6.14. Tanner Houck, 4.50. Like, garbage. Garbage. ERA. And that's kind of like the gold standard for pitchers, right? Obviously wins and losses, but it's like ERA. How many runs are you giving up per per outing? That's not going to cut it. That is not going to cut it. The team ERA, um, let me see. What's the team ERA? Um, oh, boy. Uh, not players. Default. Can I get teams? Can I get teams? How do I... Can I just reset the filters here? Uh, MLB. I don't want players. Um, oh, boy. This is... Um, yes, year to date. Oh, man. You know what? I'm just going to... Oh, team. Duh. Uh, let's see. ERA. ERA. Duh. Let's see. The Red Sox are... Where are you, Red Sox? You are 26th with five... 0.42 ERA. That's not going to cut it, let alone every other statistic. Save opportunities, saves, hits, runs, earned runs, home runs. Throw all of that out the window. 26th ERA, nearly 5.5, nearly 5.5 earned runs a game is not going to cut it. You're giving up more runs than you're scoring a game. By my standards of mathematics and my calculations, that doesn't result in wins. It doesn't. So, when I, when I sat here every Friday talking about the Red Sox pitching rotation and how it sucks, and listen, I know I talked about Chris Sale. Oh, he'll come back and all that good stuff. Oh, the contract was good when he signed. The Chris Sale return doesn't look all that good. I'll give you that one. But it's not solely Chris Sale's fault here. 
it is not solely Chris Sale's fault, and we can sit here and and say that we know that. That's just how it is. I mean, the hitting, the hitting measure, measure, measurements, I'll take. You have one, two, three in the top ten. You have only one in the bottom ten, and that's average. And that may be able to get improved. Everything else in terms of your hitting measures are pretty decent. I'll take it. For what I thought this team was going to do in terms of its hitting side of things, I thought these numbers would be a lot worse through 13 games. But it's not. So there leaves me promise in terms of hitting. But in terms of hitting, no promise at all. I mean, can they still turn it around? Yes, it is still early. You know, those ballooned ERAs. If Chris Sale throws seven shutout innings his next start, it's going to drop to like six. I mean, that's just the way it is. It will come down, hopefully, the ERA. Hopefully, you know, you can give up less uh, home runs, less hits, get Jansen out there more often. I mean, I still want to be very optimistic with this team. And again, it could have been a lot worse. Has it been as bad as I thought? Kind of. I didn't think the hitting was going to be this good, but I definitely thought the pitching was going to be this bad. Can it go down from here? Can it get worse? Of course. But given what we're setting the standard at right now, I would consider where we're at the standard. The ceiling to go up is significantly higher than the floor to go down. And through that, that leaves me a little bit of promise. That really does. So... I want to kind of end this Red Sox conversation on a fairly positive note and not necessarily such a negative note like it was. Hitting, again, we'll see with Duvall, but I'm hoping that it can continue and get better in certain areas like walks, taking more walks, on base plus slugging, average, hits. I mean, you get more hits, the average will go up. Simple as that. But again, fairly across the board, they've been pretty good hitting. Pitching-wise, you just need to string a few starts from a few guys in a row. Five, six innings, one, two-run ball, you know, given up. And I think you'll be okay. And if you can do that for a couple of weeks from a couple of guys, your pitching statistics and measures are going to take a massive step forward. And that is why I say that the ceiling is higher than the floor is lower. So I think that's a pretty good point, a a pretty good stop right there in terms of the Red Sox. Again, I tried to leave it on a little bit of a positive note by saying that the future isn't as dark and gloomy as I kept saying that it potentially was. But with that being said, I am very excited. Let's talk about the Celtics really quickly. Let's dive into their potential series with the Atlanta Hawks, who won the play-in tournament against the, who they play, the Heat. So they were able to get the seventh seed. So what is uh, clinch playing? Clinched. I'm just trying to see who's in what spot here. Uh, they have nine teams clinched playoff clinched play in position. So what is the playoff? Uh, who's playing? Who's in? I honestly did not fall. NBA playoff uh, bracket. There we go. Yeah, sorry. I, I really wasn't. I was way too focused about the um, 
Okay, the Heat are in. All right, I was way too focused about the Bruins, which we will get to momentarily. So the Celtics are going to have a very interesting road because they have the Hawks here in the first round, which should fairly be, I don't want to say fairly easy, but they should be able to win four or five games. If it goes any longer, we're just risking it a little too much than we have to. So after they win against the Hawks, they're going to be playing against either Philadelphia or Brooklyn. And that's why the number two seed is important because you'll have home court against one of those two teams, which again, home court in basketball is very important. I've said that time and time again. We all know that. But you'll have not only home court, but if you went down from two to three, I mean, four, the fourth seed was even an option. You know, it was the end of all worlds for the Celtics if they dropped to the four, but they didn't. They were able to right the ship a little bit, so let's not talk about that negatively when we don't have to. The road for the Celtics is not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But you could look across the 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 board and you could say that a lot of teams have a hard road. I mean, I know Miami's going to give Milwaukee fits. Miami was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. You know, I really don't know if the 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 Heat really are in the playoffs. I really don't know that. Are they uh okay, so let's see. Why why don't I just like instead of doing it this way? This is oh so embarrassing. Let me look up Miami Heat. Are they playing? Miami Heat are today. They're playing the Bulls today? We still have more playing games to go through. Oh man. Today it's 7 o'clock. All right, so well, we don't know exactly who they're going to be playing. It's either going to be Miami or, was it, Chicago? Um, okay. All right, so we have one more playing game. Okay, so it's either going to be Miami or Chicago. It doesn't matter who it is. Uh, actually, no, Miami is going to give them a fit. Chicago, I feel like it's getting hot at the right time. Uh, what's Chicago? They are 6-4 and four in the last 10. They're on a two-game winning streak. So it's possible. It is very, very possible. Anyways, Cleveland, New York. Obviously, Cleveland's been a really good team this year. New York's had a good resurgence. They're going to be in a bloodbath. The winner of that's going to face Milwaukee. That's going to be no easy matchup for Milwaukee, which, again, I'm going to assume that they beat either Chicago or Miami. Philadelphia and Brooklyn. I like Philadelphia a lot in this series. Brooklyn, after trading Kyrie and Durant, have still made a season out of it for themselves. They're in a good spot, but I think Philadelphia is going to win. And then again, I've already mentioned Boston. Boston and Philly in the second round, that's going to be a really tough matchup for both teams. They're going to beat each other up. The winner will go to the conference finals. And again, Milwaukee probably going to beat either Cleveland or New York. But it shouldn't be a layup. Maybe if they play New York, it might be a little easier. But definitely not against Cleveland. So, again, the road for whoever. And then let's say Milwaukee and Boston in the conference finals. That's going to be a bloodbath. Milwaukee and uh, Philadelphia in the conference finals. Boston and Cleveland. I mean, it's just going to be a very difficult road for almost anyone. There's really no clear, easy path. Again, if the Celtics can beat the Hawks and the Nets beat the 76ers, then there's two easier rounds because Philadelphia is significantly tougher of an opponent than Brooklyn. But if Brooklyn's able to beat Philly in the first round, 
and you get Atlanta and Brooklyn, the seven and the six seed, that's not that bad. I will definitely take that for the first two rounds, and then you should be fairly, you know, hopefully you can beat Brooklyn in five, six games. And in the conference finals, you'll be fairly well rested, rested, excuse me, for inevitably Milwaukee. However, I know I'm jumping a little ahead, and I'm looking. But I do like this series against Boston. Uh, against Boston. I like this series against Atlanta for Boston. First game tip-off tomorrow, 3.30 at the Garden. Again, this series should not go more than five games. It really should not. I mean, could Atlanta get a little momentum in game three after being down 2 nothing going home? Yeah, maybe. But I think if this Boston team can take away anything from last year's playoff run is you can't give games away. Too many times did you give away games to Miami. Too many times did you give away games to Milwaukee. Too many times did you give away games to Golden State in the finals. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If it's tied back and forth, just put your pedal damn down and just try to put them away. If you can put them away in four games, five games even, you're going to have those extra days to rest. You're not playing back-to-backs. Let me just confirm that. 15, 18, 21, 35. Yeah, you're not playing back-to-backs. So you'll be able to play 40. Of course, you don't want to get you know, too tired down the stretch in the second round, the third round, the fourth round. But being ready and rested for those rounds won't matter if you can't get through this first round. So take care of business, which they should against Atlanta. Take care of business. Get it done in four, five games tops. Get rested for the winner of Philly and Brooklyn. And just go from there. And just go from there. And we can sit here and talk about the winner of that, and we can talk about that. But I will be definitely very excited to talk about the Celtics series. Uh, Let's see, game four. No, game five is... I'm looking too far ahead. Game three is the 21st. All right, so we'll have two games done into the series. So we'll be able to kind of read and react and break down the first two games, giving an outlook to game three as the series shifts over to Atlanta. Now let's talk about the Boston Bruins because I am very, very excited to talk about the Boston Bruins. The playoffs is finally here. I could not be any more excited for the playoffs to be here just because they already like kind of clinched everything early on in the regular season, the the Bruins did. And you just got to coast and get to the playoffs. Now, that being said, I really do believe and I really do feel that this team, I don't want to necessarily say run the table. I don't really want to say that, but they should. They really, really should. And I'm just trying to pull up a a bracket of the NHL playoffs here real quickly. 
Um, let's see. Let's see. Oh, I don't want that. No, no. Open it up. Oh, my God. I don't want odds. Everything's bringing me to odds. I know the odds favor the Bruins. Well aware of that. Bleacher Report, do you have what I need? Okay, no, you don't. All right. So, where did NHL.com? Probably should have just went here first, right? So, the Bruins playing against the Panthers in the first round, I think was, I don't want to say match made in heaven, but it was the best matchup for them. I didn't want the New York Islanders just because Ilyan Sorokin, he is arguably top three, definitely top five goalie in the NHL. And you saw what he did to you uh, last last <clears throat> excuse me last year. It's just you got shut down by the Islanders, and you couldn't get anything to work, resulting in losing. Uh, what did they lose in the first round or the second round? Uh, 21-22 NHL playoffs. I don't remember if they lost in the first or the second round last year. Uh, let's see, let's see. They lost in the. Uh, that is, oh, they lost, okay, no, no, they lost in the first round, excuse me, to the Hurricanes last year, two years ago, two years ago, they lost to the, uh, why can't I think of what they're called, um, the Islanders, now, what was that, again, was that first round, or was that second round, oh, man, this is, I, my memory is being tested, guys, it was the second round, okay, thank you, whew, was able to figure that out, it was indeed the second round, so, you just don't want to go up against that. You don't. It's not ideal just because goaltenders in hockey, unlike any other position in sports, again, maybe football with quarterbacks, goalies in hockey can steal a game. They can steal games. They can steal a damn series. They can. If goalies get hot, I mean, look at Tim Thomas in 2011. He sucked in the first round. Bruins got by. Then he turned the switch on or a firecracker was lit under his ass. And he was arguably one of the best goalies, one of the best stretch runs for a goalie in NHL history. Leading the Bruins to countless wins throughout that course of that run, stealing countless games, and eventually winning the cup against the Vancouver Canucks, who should have won that series. They were up 2-0. Bruins came back. So... When I see that Ilyan Sorokin has to go play against Carolina and get beat up down there, or they're going to beat him up, it gives me just a sigh of relief. Whew. A sigh of relief. Now, yes, the Panthers are a more hot team, a hotter team overall. But what they're, they've had to play tough games on end on end. I was listening to the radio. I guess there's a rumor saying that this team is depleted because they had to win six. They had to win six of their last eight games in order to get in. They're the wild card two. They are in the very last spot. And that is, I mean, the Bruins are well rested. They've rested guys throughout the past two weeks. They're going to be ready to go. And this should be a, an easy, easy series for the Bruins. I hate predicting sweeps. I really, really do. Um, it should be done in four. It could be a gentleman sweep done in five. But I just think this team is this Bruins team is way too experienced, way too seasoned. They have a ton of they they've been resting a lot of guys over the past couple of weeks, like I mentioned. They have that grit. 
I mean, they ended the season on a crazy win streak. I don't even know what the technical win streak was. Uh, let me go double check. Uh, I know they, they haven't lost in a, in a while. Uh, let's see. They're on an eight-game win streak to end the season. 9-10-0 in their last 10 games. Yeah. <laughs> this Bruins team has has done a lot of good things right the last couple of weeks. Last month. Whole season, for that matter. All the odd makers have the Bruins winning. All the odd ma makers have them getting out of the East. I don't even want to look at the West. I don't want to look at the Pacific. I don't want to look at the Central Division. I don't care. I really don't care. I don't even want to look at the Metropolitan Division for the playoffs. I don't care. All I care about, and you're going to start seeing this trend as we get deeper into the playoff run for the Celtics. All I care, and I've said this a thousand of times over the past two and a half years that I've had this podcast up and running, as we are 188 episodes in, all I care about is this game and this series. I'm not looking ahead to game six or game seven. I'm not trying to get there. I don't care about game five. I don't care about game four. I care about game one and winning that game and setting the tone for the series, letting the Florida Panthers know this is our series and you're not going to get in our way. This is a formality and you're part of the process. Like that's what I want the attitude to be. That's what I want the mindset to be. That's what it should be. I don't care about the lightning in the, the Maple Leafs series. Do the lightning scare me a little bit? Sure. Do the Maple Leafs scare me? Not as much because I think the Lightning are a better team overall. I just don't care about that series at all. <laughs> I really don't. So when I look at the Bruins sitting at the one seed and they're playing the Panthers, that's all we're going to talk about is the Bruins going up against the Panthers in a series which, again, they should win very, very easily. Now, all we have is game one on Monday and game two on Wednesday. I don't believe the rest of the schedule has been released. If it has, uh, definitely, definitely let me know. And I'm sure it'll probably come out once the regular season is officially over because I do believe there's still like games today for the regular season. Uh, maybe even tomorrow. Oh, no, tomorrow's Saturday. No, play no, maybe even tomorrow. I'm not exactly sure. But the Bruins are done. They finished the season with 65 wins. And what was the points? Uh, 100 and what? 135 so they broke the win record awesome they broke the points record awesome but they didn't just do it they just didn't squeak by and do it they beat the win record by two they beat the point record uh by three so it's like they needed like they were able to it wasn't like the end of the season like i think it was they were talking about when the bruins went to go tie the record I think they were saying how the 18-19 Lightning had to win the last four games of the season to get to that point. The 50, oh, 50, the 95-96 Red Wings had to win the last like three or four games to get to 62 uh, wins. Bruins did it, and they still had two games to go. That just shows the sheer dominance of this team. And they kept their focus the whole way. They've rested guys, and they were still able to win and capture these records, which is nice. But the most important thing on top of that rest is their health. And I think that's going to be 
an incredible, an incredible benefit because the the Bruins should be able to beat the Panthers in four games, five games at the very most. I do think the Lightning and Maple Leafs will beat each other up in a six to seven game series. So not only do the Bruins have rest over the past two, three weeks, they'll have rest of getting their series done early, and they're going to be going up against the Maple Leafs or Lightning who have had to play the rest of the season all the way through, and they've had to beat each other up in the first round. So I I feel really good moving forward, but again, I need to pump the brakes and pause because I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. And with that being said, I do think we'll wrap up the episode here. I'm very, very excited to talk about the Bruins um, after their first two games with the uh, Carolina, with the Florida Panthers, which is Monday and Wednesday here at the Garden. Of course, the Celtics and the Hawks are Saturday and Saturday and when I just I was just looking at it. Uh, <laughs> Saturday and uh, Tuesday. And Game 3 is on that Friday. So, very, very excited for what's to head. Again, we do have some promise for the Red Sox. So, it wasn't a dumpster fire episode all the way through. We had a lot of good conversations. We talked about a bunch of good stuff. Overall, really good episode today. And I'm very excited. The weather is fantastic. It is warm. It is hot. It feels like summer. I probably will have to turn the AC on here at the shop. But, with all that said... Please, please, please have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the first couple of games for the Celtics and the Bruins. Go Red Sox. Oh my God, I totally forgot. I was supposed to talk about my mock draft 1.0 today. Um, I'm sorry, my mock draft 3.0. Holy crap, I totally forgot all about it. Okay, we're not ending the episode right here. We're not. We are not ending this episode. Um. Okay, so I have 17 minutes before the shop opens. We can definitely talk about this 1.0. Oh, Jesus, why do I keep calling it 1.0? This 3.0. Um, I will have to bl- uh, breeze through it really quickly, but I want to make sure that we talk about this. All right, so number one for the Panthers, I have them taking Bryce Young. Uh, number two, Houston taking CJ Stroud. Again, flip-flop that however you want. That will be one and two. That will be one and two, no doubt in my mind. Um I know there's like a little report out there that the Texans don't necessarily know who they want to take at number two. If it is a quarterback or not, that would be stupid. That would be beyondly stupid. That's all I'm going to say. Like, listen, I think Davis Mills can be a decent quarterback in the NFL. I think so. He could be like a Derek Carr, which is not a bad thing. People are like, oh, Derek Carr. Oh, oh. That is not a bad thing. He's put up good numbers. Like, I mean, Andy Dolan had a decent career. And, you know, I know he's kind of floating around as a, as a backup now, but he had a decent career. Joe Flacco put the Super Bowl aside, but he had a good career. Like, that's where I could see a Davis Mills kind of going. Number three, I have the Arizona Cardinals taking Will Anderson. Um, and number four, the Colts taking Will Levis. I know in my 2.0, I had that as a trade, them flip-flopping. However, no trade has been announced yet. No trade has been announced yet, so I'm kind of on pause with that notion. Now, I think the Colts don't think that they need to make that move. Why do we need to give up extra draft capital just to move up one spot? There has been no rumors or murmurs of another team going from wherever to three, with the exception of the Tennessee Titans, 
potentially going up from 11 to 3. That's going to cost them a lot. It cost the 49ers three first-round picks to go from 12 to 3. It'll probably be very similar if the Titans want to do that. Now, do they want to do that? Uh, that's not for me to decide. So my philosophy is that the Cardinals are going to hold out as long as they can with the number three overall pick for a team other than the Colts to want to come up to number three, therefore getting them more capital because the Colts won't have to trade up um, that much capital. But a team like the Titans, 100% will. So, and why I have the Cardinals here at three is because crap hits the fan. They got too greedy. A deal couldn't have been done, so they were stuck with a number three pick. They take Will Anderson. Colts get their guy at four, Will Levis. I have Seattle taking Tyree Wilson, going to defensive end. I have the Lions taking Devin Witherspoon here. I think I had them taking Christian Gonzalez in 1.0 and then Jalen Carter in 2.0. Definitely correct me if I'm wrong there. But they just traded Jeff Okuda to the Falcons, so that does open up a spot for a cornerback. So I do think they'll address the cornerback need with either 6 or 18. But here I have them taking the best cornerback, or one of the best, whether it's Gonzalez or Witherspoon, um, at 6. The other, I think, will go to Vegas at 7. In my case, it's Christian Gonzalez. Jalen Carter drops to eight here. I still think those charges that face him are a thing. I also think his work ethic is going to be a massive uh, concern for a lot of teams. Like the Raiders, the Lions, and the Seahawks all have playoff aspirations. So they could afford to take a risk on the guy who is probably the most talented player in the draft. Maybe has the most, uh, the highest ceiling outside of a quarterback position maybe even including the quarterback position. But do they want to take that risk? Could they afford it? Probably. But I feel like grabbing other players to help their team now, knowing that they're going to help their team now, to make the playoffs is an avenue that they want to go in. The Atlanta Falcons, they're kind of rebuilding. Do they want to take that headache? Maybe, maybe not. But the talent of Jalen Carter dropping to eight is something I think is a little too sweet for them to pass up on. Darnell Wright, offensive tackle going to Chicago. Bears getting a true offensive tackle to protect Justin Fields. I had the uh, Peter Skaronsky there for the first two mock drafts. I think the shorter arms is a concern for teams. I think he may get kicked into a guard at some point, and I think that's ultimately going to result in him getting dropped in my mock draft. That dropped Peter Skaronsky down to 19. So this is where it gets interesting. I have my first trade here, and that's the Minnesota Vikings trading all the way up from 23. How's that getting done? I don't know, but I love it. Two first, uh, three first round picks because they have to trade 23. I need water. Hold on. Um, a second round pick, a conditional fourth. However, I don't care, but I love the Minnesota Vikings trading up from 20, was it 23, to 10 to take Anthony Richardson ahead of the Tennessee Titans, who are rumored to trade up from 11 to 3 in order to draft Richardson. They see the Titans. They, they it was too, The trade offer from the Cardinals was too rich for their blood, so they stayed pat. They saw the first three quarterbacks go off the board, Young, Shroud, Levis. They think no other team, this is the Titans here, they think no other team needs a quarterback so they're going to wait it out now again of course Seattle could take one the Raiders could take 
um, Anthony Richardson here, but they're willing to wait it out because they just drafted Malik Willis last year in the third round. They still have Ryan Tannehill, so they can afford to be patient. The Minnesota Vikings see that Anthony Richardson, who has a ton of potential, has dropped, and they believe that the Titans are going to draft him because those are the rumors that are out there. So they push their chips into one basket. They trade up to 23 to draft him. And the reason why I have the trade there with the Eagles is because the Eagles have the 30th pick in the first round. And not only will Eagles move back to 23, so they'll have 23 and 30, so they'll have two first-round picks to maybe move back up into like the teens if they wish. But that's going to give them future draft capital down the road. And I think that's something that Eagle, I forget the guy's uh, the owner's name, but I know he loves his draft capital. So I think that's going to be a really good move. They just made the Super Bowl. They have a really good roster. They brought in some guys. They brought back guys. They don't really need the 10th overall pick. They don't need it. But, of course, it's a nice have, and they're going to use that to their full advantage. Uh, I have Tennessee taking Jackson Smith and the Jeeba to give Tannehill a weapon because they desperately need um, wide receivers. Robert Woods was just not cutting it last year. Kyle Phillips, who I think was like a fourth-round guy. He was all right, but they need a guy to replace A.J. Brown from a couple years ago, and I think JSN is that guy. Houston, I have them taking Nolan Smith. Um, I made this mock draft, I think, a day or two ago. I'm hearing rumors that Nolan Smith could go in the top 10. And before he got injured during the season, uh, during like preseason for college football, he was a top 10 guy, top 5 guy on a lot of boards. He played, he played, he got injured, dropped his stock a little bit. I think he could sneak into the top 10. I really do. I have him here at 12. I think Stroud and Nolan Smith are going to be two really good young pieces. If JSN is there at 12 for Houston, I know this was in my 2.0, I think that they would go to Smith and Najiba at 12 to give Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, whatever quarterback they have, a weapon. Um, there's a dog outside. Um, okay, sure. Um, let's see. We have uh, the New York Jets taking Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle, to protect whoever their quarterback's going to be. Again, there is no word on a trade from Aaron Rodgers to the Packers to the Jets. Of course, if a trade does happen at some point, a mock draft will be released to show that. Um, obviously, I'm going to assume that's going to include the Jets' first-round pick, 13th overall, but hey, we don't know. Second trade of the first round. Very excited for this one. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trading up to 14 with the Patriots for B. John Robinson. Now, do they need to do this? Maybe, maybe not. But there's a lot of rumors that the Dallas Cowboys, that the uh, the Eagles, the, um, let's see, I know Buffalo was kind of in the mix, could trade up or just simply draft B. John Robinson. Detroit you know, I know has been linked to Bijan Robinson. So I think the rapport that the Buccaneers and the Patriots have to trade up, hey, listen, you know, they swap first round picks. Bill gets an additional third and like six round pick, whatever the hell it is. He loves to trade down. He loves his draft assets. He loves to move around the board. And I think that's going to, I said that Peter Skaronsky goes to 19 because of the arms. I think that's where he falls to. Patriots will take him. Probably start at tackle. Maybe seize time at guard, but I doubt it. But if you can get Peter Skaronsky at 19, a guy who's arguably a top 10 guy, possibly the best offensive lineman in the draft, where just his arm length is just a concern, I think that's a win for Bill, and I think that's something that he would love to, to flourish. Worst case scenario, 
Yeah, kick him inside to a guard position. Um, and then you have Cole Strange, and then you have Peter Skaronsky. Put a Wainu at tackle. I don't know. Figure it out, Bill. Um, would that be a fan favorite here in New England? Absolutely not, but that's just the damn case. Um, let's see. Michael Meyer, the tight end going to Green Bay. Still have that being a thing, whether they trade Rodgers or not. Um, I have Joey Porter Jr., cornerback, going to the Washington Commanders at 16. I think taking a cornerback over a tackle, which I think I had them doing in my 1 and 2.0, just to help bolster that defense because teams around them, offense, I mean, Cowboys got Brandon Cooks. Um, Eagles torched the league with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Danny Dimes just got paid. There's, you know, there's rumors that the, the Giants are going to take a, a wide receiver, which I do. I don't have them taking in this mock draft, but I think I did in 2.0. Anyways, Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle from Georgia going to Pittsburgh to help protect Kenny Pickett. Steelers could go in myriad of different ways. They can go receiver, corner, or offensive tackle, which I have them doing here. If B. John Robinson's available at 18 for the Lions, I think that that's where they go. However, in this case, I have them taking Dalton Kincaid, arguably the best tight end in the draft. I know you could kind of flip-flop that between him and Meyer, but getting a safety net for Jared Goff to help just lift that offense even further. Again, you already took Devin Witherspoon with the sixth overall pick. I don't think they double up on defense, which, although there's something they could easily, easily do. Um, I already talked about Skaronsky to 19 to the Pats. Zay Flowers from BC going to the Seahawks, getting another weapon. Tyler Lockett's getting older. Who knows if DK Metcalf's going to return. Give Geno Smith another weapon. That offense did kind of flame out a little bit. In the first round, already with a fifth overall pick, you took Tyree Wilson. So going defense and offense in the first round with your two picks is something that I could easily, easily see them doing. Uh, let's see. Quentin Johnson, wide receiver to the Chargers. Again, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams getting older. Tons of injury concerns. Justin Herbert needs weapons. You need to feed that guy weapons. All right, we have our third and final mock trade of this mock draft. That was kind of a tongue twister. I have the Ravens trading back to 26 and the Cowboys trading up to 22 to take Jordan Addison. Now, I do see Cowboys potentially trading up for Bijan Robinson. However, they also need a wide receiver, among other potential needs that they have. But they see Zay Flowers go. They see Quinn Johnson go. They already saw Smith Najiba go early in the first round. Jordan Addison is probably one of, uh, I'd probably say it's those four that have first-round wide receiver grades, and I don't think they want to miss out on that. Now, could they afford to sit and wait if a team like the Seahawks and the Chargers don't take wide receivers? Yeah, of course. But they see that string of receivers, and they're like, listen, it shouldn't take us that much. Maybe a second- or a third-round pick to, to move up, you know, in addition to the swap. I think that's something that they're going to do because, yeah, I know, I know they just trade for Brandon Cooks. But right now they have CeeDee Lamb, who they need to pay, they have Brandon Cooks, probably one-year guy. Michael Gallup, you know, you just don't know what the future of him, he's going to be. You're going to have to pay him soon. Is he really it? You know, you kind of reset that position, get cheaper, because you're going to have to pay C.D. Lamb, which I think he probably will. But after a year, you can let Cooks walk, you can get, let Gallup walk, and then you have C.D. Lamb and Jordan Addison moving forward. Again, I still think B. John Robinson is the ideal pick for the Cowboys. You could go defensive line as well. But 
I think Jerry Jones is going to want to have a high-flying offense and give Dak Prescott absolutely no excuses to struggle. Um, obviously, with capture like offensive line or something. Uh, let's see. Uh, Philly moving back from 10 to 23. Take Will McDonald, a guy who has potential top five, top 10 talent at 23. Makes sense. Miles Murphy, corner uh, defensive back, excuse me, to Jacksonville at 24. Deontay Brooks, cornerback from Maryland, going to the Giants at 25. And with the Ravens trading back, and I think they can afford to trade back unless a team uh, team shockingly trades back into the first round late, I think the Ravens trade back, get more assets, but they take Hendon Hooker. We don't know the future of Lamar Jackson. The Ravens just signed OBJ. They brought him in. Seems like Lamar did a little recruiting. I mean, he's still technically under contract and all that stuff. Well, kind of, sort of, with the franchise tag. But is Lamar Jackson, if he does play for the Ravens in 2023, the long-term answer? I think drafting a guy like Hendon Hooker, guy who's who needs to recover that ACL, who has a lot of high upside, high ceiling, high potential, maybe you just kind of have to run it out with Tyler Huntley for a year if Lamar is not there. And then you can see Hendon Hooker at the end of the year or at least the start of next season. And I think that's a really good game plan for the Ravens, especially trading back. Um, Drew Sanders going to Buffalo, the linebacker from Arkansas. Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback from Mississippi State, going to Cincinnati. I still have Lucas Van Ness, the defensive lineman from Iowa, going to New Orleans. I've seen uh, Van Ness top 10, top 20. He's a guy who has a lot of upside, but people just don't know where to put him in his in their mock drafts. So I think him going there is a good safety pick. Could I see him going up to 24 where Jacksonville took Miles Murphy? Sure. Do I see him going up to 23 where in my mock I have Will McDonald to the Eagles? Sure. I just don't think I can buy into first round top 15 kind of selection for him just yet. Um, I can't pronounce this guy's name. Kalija Kansi, the defensive tackle from Pittsburgh going to Philadelphia. So yes, the Eagles double up on the defensive line. With losing a couple guys, guys aging, guys coming back from one year. So them kind of resetting the position for the future and retooling it for the now, I think is a really smart move for them. Of course, they can go offensive line with uh, one of their two picks in the first round. Wouldn't be surprised there. And then Anton Harrison, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma going to Kansas City. Um, That is my mock 3.0. I breezed through that. Um, I do want to go over my draft notes really, really quickly because there is a good couple of nuggets there. So obviously this is version 3.0. I also highlighted the mock trades between the two teams with asterisks. Um, Miami forfeited their first round. Of course, that's still a note because, you know, people may see 31 and they'd be like, wait, 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 there's 32 teams. So I just still want to emphasize that. But all right, uh, let me rotate my screen just so I can read this damn thing better. Um, let's see, Arizona does not trade with Indianapolis in this mock because they feel they can get a better package. What I already talked about, um, they're stuck with three. They're not able to move it. I already mentioned that. Still no word on the Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers trade mill. Inevitable trade involving one or both quarterbacks will likely cause, definitely will, definitely will cause, shakeup in a future mock draft with the teams involved. Again, Rodgers to the Jets. They're probably going to have to give up 13th overall. Lamar to another team. Going to have to give up that first round pick. So, there will be shakeup in a mock draft 4.0 if there's trades. There's going to be a 4.0 either way. 
but I just want to make sure that's, you know, that's highlighted. Much more movement via trades in this mock draft compared to 2.0. It is not shown in this mock, but I feel we could see a team or two try to trade up into the top 10. Maybe someone that they highly touted on the board drops, whether that's Anthony Richardson, Jalen Carter, Will McDonald. I mean, you know, you know, a lot of guys that should or could go in the top 10. Uh, let's see, where was I? Maybe even the top five. I still think a team could kind of trade into the top five. Only team that I kind of see dropping down is probably Arizona. I don't think Seattle would. I know Detroit's six, but I don't think they would unless the package was just stupid good. But um, that's just something to kind of note. But definitely I could see a team like Atlanta, who's not going to get fixed overnight with the eighth overall pick, but maybe they can drop to the mid-teens, get another first-round pick and more assets. Something like that. We've already seen Chicago drop. There's rumors that they could trade even further back to gain more assets and capital. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, let's see. Much more movement, maybe in the top five. Teams to keep an eye on for potentially moving up are, but not limited to, the Titans, which we've already talked about, potentially moving up from 11 to 3. The Vikings, which I've shown in my mock to have moved up. The Ravens and the Cowboys. Um, again, the Titans, is it too rich for their blood to move up from 11 to 3? Do the Rave, uh, do the Cardinals, wrong bird. Do the Cardinals even want to move back from three all the way down to 11? It's just, who knows? Who knows? And last point, wide receiver, tackle, defensive end, and corners may all go in flurries throughout the first round. Consecutive picks of one position taken is definitely foreseeable, and thus, a team trading up to get a player of that position before the flurry ends is highly possible. We saw that with Dallas in this mock draft. So again, we could see a slew of wide receivers go. We could see a slew of cornerbacks go, whether that's Joey Porter, Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez. I mean, no one really thought Devin Singletary would go third overall. Definitely top 10, but no one saw him go third overall. Then Sauce goes at four. Flurries are definitely going to happen. I think defensive end is going to be a position that these teams really value. So if Tyree Wilson, Miles Murphy, um, Will McDonald, Lucas uh, Van Ness, if they all go, or if like two of them go in a two or th- uh, two or three picks, I could see a team who really you know values Miles Murphy, Will McDonald, if they're still on the board, to trade up so they don't miss out on that player. So I mean, those are all the bullet points that I wanted to talk about for this mock draft. I know we kind of breezed through it took about 10 or so i have no idea how long it took to be honest but i definitely wanted to make sure that i covered it i talked about it because i wanted to make sure we discussed and talked about it today today is friday the 14th i would like to have a 4.0 out listen if there's a trade of lamar jackson aaron Rodgers, i'm gonna put out a mock 4.0 a day or two after i don't know if i'll have a 4.0 out for next friday's episode but there will definitely 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 be one out for um draft night before draft night and talking about draft night i do want to let you know that the 2023 nfl draft live stream on thursday will take place thursday night and replace episode what would be 190 like we're still going to get an episode 190 but that's going to follow um what day would that what day would that fall on uh that would fall on may 5th cinco de mayo So we're going to get uh, episode 190 on Cinco de Mayo. So it's going to go episode 189 next Friday, the draft live stream on Thursday the 27th. No episode on the 28th. 
and then episode 190 on the 5th. Just want to clarify with you guys and let you guys know that moving forward. Again, I'm going to stream the draft and react and break it all down like I did last year through the New England Patriots first round pick. So last year, they were pegged for, I think, 21. They traded back to 29. I stayed on until they picked, made their selection at 29. Two years ago when they took Mac in the first round, I stayed on the stream until they took Mac, and then the stream ended after their selection. So whenever the Patriots draft in the first round, break it down, talk about it, and then the stream will end. So I just want to let you guys know that. I'll talk more about it next week for episode 189, just to run down some things and, and such like that. But you'll be able to find that live stream on YouTube, and I do plan on streaming it on Instagram as well. So that is going to do it. I really appreciate you guys joining me for an extra long episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I'm sure you guys don't mind the extra long episodes, but I also don't want to take up too much of your time, so I am conscious of that. But I really, really, really do appreciate you guys for clicking on the video, liking, commenting, and of course subscribing if you're new or haven't considered subscribing. If you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this episode on audio-only platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, anywhere you can find your podcast, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So I thank you so much for downloading, listening, and of course enjoying. But that will wrap it up officially, wrap it up for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the wonderful weather that we have here in New England. And I will see you next week for episode 189. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. And I will always, always see you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.